So as we begin this book, uh, probably will not give a lot of um, detailed information about, you know, the authorship of the book and the date and all these things that are related to it. But as we continue, we'll point out a few things that would help us to really understand uh, this book as we continue. Today we'll only do 11 verses as the Lord leads us and also to point out a few things that are related to this text. And if you, if you are a reader of the Bible, you will already notice that it is written by Luke. Luke, the one who wrote the gospel. This is his second book, and as he points out in verses one, the former account I made, that means he's written another book, and this one is another one. And it is interesting how he writes, how he approaches things and, or his writing. It is said about Luke that he was absolutely a brilliant historian, a journalist, and a literal artist. And he was a physician too. So when you see how he writes his account, especially the gospel, he's more detailed in explaining when it's a sickness that was healed, he goes ahead to explain that the person has gone to the doctors for many years and they, they were not able to receive healing and when they touched Jesus, they were healed. Some other writers like um, Mark, Mark, they call him the writer on the move. He's always on the move. He has like 10 stories he wants to tell you at one sitting and go. Different in their styles of writing. But... Uh, also, we'll realize that this book is very important, especially for the church. Imagine if we read the Gospels, the four Gospels, and then we don't have the book of Acts, and then we have Romans. That would be a disaster to try to navigate and to get the consistency, and also understanding the church would be a problem. But we have it, and God ordained it so that we can have this book to guide us understand. It begins the very last part of Jesus' life and it continues until when many other people are born again and they're writing letters to the churches. So let us begin reading. So the former account I made O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. A little debate with the name Theophilus, because the word basically means a lover or the lover of God or the beloved of God. And many people think because Luke is trying to get to the believers to understand what is happening with the church and its foundation. Therefore, he wrote to a general majority who are loved by God. But then if you read it, you, you read it keenly, you will understand that that is what he begins with. He's writing to a specific person. 
And this specific person is said to be an important official who was called Theophilus, the beloved of God. One of the probable reasons why he was addressing it to him, he was trying to defend Paul also. Because Paul got born again, serving the Lord and is planting churches. A lot of things are happening in the government and a lot of things are happening with the life of Paul is going through a lot of persecution and no one gives an account of the trail of this history, how it began. And this was to aid the understanding for this person to really know how it began and what Paul is doing and his conversion, how it came about. Theophilus. And he says this, few words that we should remember as we continue, that all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Both to do and to teach. Until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandment to the apostle whom he had chosen. When Joshua was talking about, you know, the, the Trinity and how we have categorized them, that the Father is the most important one, and then the Son, and then the Holy Spirit perhaps has a little respect down there. We, we, he's the most disregarded person of the Trinity. And as Jesus was speaking to the disciples and the, the people in general, he would always say that I always do the things I see my father does. My father and I are one. So you hear a lot of the father and Jesus, the father and the son, the father and the son. But here he continues to affirm to us something very important. He says, until that day in which he was taken up, after he through the Holy Spirit. Jesus is a man through who? Through the Holy Spirit gave commands to the disciples. Already the Holy Spirit is at work. And in the New Testament we'll see a lot of the play of the Holy Spirit being present in the church. And as we go through, we'll see what Jesus is doing. There is the sending of the disciples. There is the preaching of the gospel. There is the birth of the church. There is the order of the church. There is the mission of the church. The testimony of the martyrs. The presence of the Holy Spirit in the church. All of these things, we're going to see them. And you might break them down into only two categories. You'd say we are called to evangelize and to disciple. Go out and make disciples of all nations. This book tells us about the birth of the Christian church. 
as we see Jesus sending his disciples and giving them command. To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible probes. Being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. After Jesus' resurrection, he was here with them for another 40 days, doing what? Preaching the kingdom of God. And this has been, you know, troubling many people. The, the, the proofs about the resurrection. And Paul also gives, gives a very um, definitive proof of what happens after Jesus' resurrection in uh, 1 Corinthians 15. From verses 4, the Bible says, And that he was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. He died and rose again according to what was written in the scriptures to make the scripture come alive. And that he was seen by Cephas, then the twelve. After that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remains to the present, but some have fallen asleep. The greater majority of those who saw the Lord are still present when he was writing this to really affirm that this was true. And why is this important at the beginning of this book? That when you are being a witness or when you're witnessing about Jesus Christ, these things must come in handy and you must talk about them. You must talk about the life of Jesus Christ, the death of Jesus Christ, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so there are so many infallible proofs that he was seen. And after he showed up, the one thing he was doing is to teach about the kingdom of God. Teaching about the kingdom of God. And being assembled together, when with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. That is kind of like our outline for this afternoon, waiting for the promise of the Father. And the process of waiting, I know, probably is not interesting for many people. How long are you going to wait? We don't like waiting, but we love promises, right? When people are getting engaged, they say, hey, promise me that you never leave. <laughs> promise me that you will be with me. Promise that you're going to take me to this place. 
Promise me that you're going to give me this job. Promise me that you're going to do this for me. Promise, promise, promise. And we want people to keep promises, right? That is a hard job you're giving to humans. <laughs> we give up too soon with these promises. But he say, wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You guys witnessed last Sunday we did baptism. And when people are walking out of this pool, they're wet, right? They're dripping water as they go. The evidence that something has happened to them. They are covered in water, dumped into water, and they're coming out, and they're joyful in their heart. They're thanking God that they have made the right choice, that they're making it public to people. They're going to follow Jesus Christ. They were immersed into many waters. The same way he's saying, you're supposed to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. Then you walk, when you walk around, there must be evidences that you really feel with the Holy Spirit. And the, whole, and the evidence is not speaking in tongues. We shall come to that later when we get to it. But that is not what the Bible says. Say you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. So he's told them to wait. After teaching them about the kingdom of God, he's telling them to wait for the promise of the Father. And he's saying this is going to happen. You're going to be baptized. But you have to wait. Not many days. <laughs> You're wondering why he didn't say, hey, you wait for one week, two weeks. Three weeks. Because normally, we want to know, right? When someone says, wait for me. Like, for how long? <laughs> wait for me for three hours, for two days, for one year. Wait. The process can be so hard when we don't know the definite time. But he say, just wait. And then they came out with a question. Therefore, when they heard, come together, they asked him. These are the disciples. Now they, they gang up together and they say, we have a question. <laughs> Who is going to ask it? Who is going to present it? Because now we know for sure if the scriptures are true the way we have read them before, that this man is not going to stay with us here for long. He's going to go. But then... What is going to happen to us? We must find something tangible for us to hold on. If not, we are all doomed. So they have a question. They say, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Will you at this time, before you leave, or this season, Will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? 
Very quickly, they are not pointing out to what Jesus was teaching them these 40 days. Do you know what he was teaching them? About the kingdom of God. And they flipped it, and now they want the kingdom that they can be part of in terms of leadership. They probably want to be governors, the senators and ministers in this kingdom. And Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons with the Father has put in his own authority. It is not for you to figure out how these things are going to work. One thing you should be thinking about is the promise that I've told you many times. The promise of the Father, not knowing about the times. And you know, we can beat these people so hard and say, well, how can they think about earthly things when they have the creator of the universe with them, present? We would have done the same, probably even worse. But Jesus did not scold them. He responded to them gently. He responded to them by telling them that, hey, hey guys, it is not in your place to know about that. To know about the times, the seasons, that should not be your con concern. But, anytime you, we see the word but, we know what it means. There's something that has been interjected that was said before. Jesus taught about the kingdom, and then they are being mindful of their kingdom, the kingdom of Israel, and Jesus tells them, don't be mindful of that one. And he says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is what you're supposed to think about, being my witnesses to the end of the world. And trust me, friends, this was also not easy for them to take in. Why? Because in Jerusalem is where Jesus was killed. And you're sending us right back there to be killed? Probably not. We don't want to go there. They experience a lot of suffering there in Jerusalem. So the question that is probably, they're probably thinking is, why would you want us dead before we do the job? Because these people, they're not merciful. They wouldn't want this to continue. Why send us to Jerusalem? And he say again, go to Judea. Judea, this is where his ministry was rejected. 
Jesus' ministry is rejected in Judea. And he says, go to Judea. Are you setting us up for something? He's God. He's been rejected there. Mortal men like we are, what are they going to do to us? Again, he says, go to Samaria. You remember the story of the Samaritan woman? She's saying, no, we, we don't mix up with the Jewish people. We don't. This has never happened, and we, we are not intending that it happens right now. The, that has been our culture, and we are going to keep it. And they're like, what is he up to? <laughs> where they killed him, where they rejected him, and where they don't mix. He wants us to go there. And lastly, he says what? To the uttermost part, to the end. In other words, when you're thinking, maybe there's excuses that we can go to this other place. Don't go to this place, go to this other place. He says, to the uttermost part of the world. Where everybody else dwells. In other words, there's no escape. If he's called you to go, then you go. Calling you to roll, go. Don't wait. Some of us are good at waiting, but not waiting on the Lord. <laughs> we're not waiting on the Lord. We're just dilly-dallying. We are, we are waiting to see the situations. Situation, ikonam nagan. In taking this job, to be a witness, your life has to be consistent with the command that he's given to you. There has to be consistency in your life. You can't say that you do intercessory prayer while in secret you are the internet pornographer. That is not consistent with the word of God. You're speaking blessings, blessing the Lord with your mouth and beating up your wife or cursing your husband. You're telling the gospel, but you're spreading the lie. You're spreading the gossip. That is not consistent. You're receiving a lot of biblical counsel. Yet the one that remains in your head is what Oprah and Steve Harvey said. Those are your models. You, you guys have watched Steve Harvey, right? You, you guys know him, right? Have you seen that guy crying as he tried to give a story? And, well, everyone in the, the world is emotional, but there are people who are too emotional. There's some small things and people are crying and like, really? <laughs> you come here, we'll look at you, it's like nothing ever happened. We go about, about our business and we don't care. 
Where do you receive or where do you get your counsel? You know what the, the Bible says? Wisdom cries out in the streets. Are you going to pick it? Are you going to search it? And Solomon says, my son, do whatever it takes to get her. Do whatever it takes to get wisdom. Not earthly wisdom, godly wisdom. Is your life consistent? When people look at you today, okay, when people look at you, do they say, what a Christian? Or they look at you and say, what? A Christian? They're different. They will, they will look at what you have done, what, you do, what you're doing for the kingdom of God, and they say for sure, what a wonderful believer. What a wonderful man and woman of God they are. But if your life is double-double, you walk in there like, what? A Christian? No. Meaning your life is not consistent. Your life is not consistent. If the Bible says, run, run. If he says, wait, wait. If he says, stop, stop. If he says, go, go. That is what a bond slave does. Some of us, we are bosses, we're not slaves. <laughs> we are ordering Jesus around, like, hey, I want to do this, I want to go to this place, I want to do this. But what does he want you to do? It is my will be done, not his will be done. And then I was thinking about that yesterday. And I wrote these words and I want us all to repeat them. You repeat after me. Say, if every believer, if every believer lived just like me, what kind of a Christian would every Christian be? You get the point? If you were the marking scheme of Christianity, are we safe? Are we safe? Oh, the weather is not weathering with you in this Christian walk. Are we safe, really? Just think about yourself. Am I consistent with what the scriptures commands me? Or I just follow Jesus Christ when it is convenient. But it's very convenient. Many people or the many people around you have never heard you mention the name of Jesus once in their entire lives. And they know that you go to church somewhere. They're like, what? A Christian? Oh, what a Christian. 
Who are you? Because for these people that Christ is talking to the disciples, for them to make great impact in the world, their lives have to be consistent. Historically, if you read their lives, you'll find that it was consistent. They were not perfect, but they were consistent. I read a story. Some zookeepers, they had animals and people would come and watch them. And the favorite animal that people watched in that zoo was a gorilla. Have you guys seen a gorilla like live, live, close range? No? I haven't. <laughs> I've seen it in the movies. At least I can go closer to the TV. The zookeeper made a lot of money with people coming and watching the, 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 the animals in the zoo. And then this gorilla got sick one time. And the gorilla did not survive. It died. This guy decided to make less money because people were thrilled to come and watch the gorilla. And he doesn't have the gorilla anymore. And he thought of a very clever way of still getting money. So he, he you know, he talked to a few people and he said he's going to do a private audition for people who can act like a gorilla. And he called for an audition and people came and he found one. One guy would imitate the gorilla perfectly. But he's human. I mean, <laughs> you see the guy behaving like an animal. You're like, this, this is a weird dude. But then what they did, they made a gorilla suit for this guy. And the guy went into the suit and it was fine. So this guy, again, took a lot of photos of this gorilla man <laughs> posted in his website and people again began to come. And this guy would entertain people. You know, he's a man, hears what people say and how people are scared to come close. So he would chill out a little bit so that people would come close and take pictures and let them go. And people would say, wow, this gorilla is gentle. When it moves a little bit, people go a little bit farther. But then in this excitement of what is happening, because now this is employment, this guy is getting a lot of money. In this zoo, he got excited and he walked to a location that was not designated for him. You know who was next to him? A lion. And this guy freaked out, and he didn't want to show that he freaked out. <laughs> he thought to himself, man, this thing is going to kill me. They know that a gorilla can fight, but I am not a gorilla. I cannot fight a lion. So you know what he thought? 
Perhaps if I take off this gorilla suit, this lion will spare me. This lion is used to seeing a lot of people around, right? So that is reasonable. So he thought to take out the suit. And when he was trying to take off the suit, the zipper got stuck. It's not coming out. The guy is freaking out the more. And then he thought, well, I'm going to die anyways. Let me just air my voice. I want to speak. Perhaps if this lion will reason, we'll just have mercy on me. And he said, hey, Mr. Lion, <laughs> I am not a gorilla. I am a man who is just at work. I came closer to you and I got scared. I tried to get this suit out. It is not working. And I know I'm going to die. If you spare me, I will leave. But choose whatever you want to do. <laughs> and he was actually shouting it out. And actually, in his response, he heard the lion. And the lion said, shut up. All of us are going to lose our jobs. <laughs> Shut up. Why? Why is the lion saying to the gorilla, Shut up? Because every one of them, they're humans. <laughs> they are inconsistent with what they portray themselves to be. They are making money, that is true, but they're not the gorilla, they're not the lion. What suit can you jump into? <laughs> you wanna behave like who? And at the end of the day, it will get stuffy one day and you would want out. You will want out one day. Will you be found worthy of the calling that Christ called you? Will you be found? If I can lie to people and make money, it's not a big deal. People do it every time. We camouflage so that we can present ourselves like this other thing, yet we are not able to. That is the life of many people, even right inside the church. That is why through all the scripture, we are exhorted to put off the old man and put on the new one. Because the old man has a tendency of showing up. We'll show up again. Is your life consistent with the calling? 
but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in all these places that you do not like. But you got to do it anyways. And then, continues to say, now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Can you guys picture the sight? They are with the Lord Jesus Christ, speaking to them, giving the command, giving them hope that you will receive power and you'll be my witnesses. Like, yeah, we're good with that. Probably not in these places, but we'll think about it. We'll figure it out. And then you begin to see. He was standing here on the ground. Now the ground is giving up. <laughs> He's going up. He's going up as they watch. You know, we, we, we get used to seeing flying things on the movie, and we think if you see it in real time, you'll just be excited. Trust me, you'll be terrified. You're talking to a person and they're going up. <laughs> oh, man. Some of you, when you get to heaven, like, where are you? Any attendant around here? I want to see that video. <laughs> I want to see what happened when Jesus was going up. That was interesting. I want to see the Jesus one and the Elijah one. I want to compare them. I want to see them. See them going up. See them going up. And then two other people shows up. Dressed in white. Angels. By the, I, I don't know who came up with the idea that these angels that are mentioned in the Bible, they are females. I've heard of Michael, not Michelle. Michael. I've heard of Gabriel, not Gabriela. <laughs> They come in male figures. They're men of war and messengers. Whatever. It's not related with our text. But these two men, they appear and they say what? Men of Galilee. They stood by them and say, men of Galilee. To get their attention. Men of Galilee. Why do you stand gazing up in heaven? You're like, where is the logical consistency? We're looking up to Jesus. That is the logical thing. We're looking up to Jesus. Just went up. Why you stand gazing up into heaven? After he's gone, Taken with the clouds, they're still there. They're, they're not moving. <laughs> they're not boarding. They're not going anywhere. And these angels came to encourage them. Said, this Jesus, this same Jesus who was taken up from you, from your presence, into heaven, 
will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. What a hope for these people who are very hopeless at this time. This same Jesus who spoke about the kingdom of God, who had given you the promise of the Father, who said to you that you shall receive power and be my witnesses, he's not going to leave you alone. He's going to show up again. He's going to show up again. And I know many times we have gone through situations and you're not sure if Jesus will even show up. You don't know. You're not sure. You don't know what is your next meal, your next step, your next money for rent, your next... You don't know. Will you trust that he will show up in his own time? Because it's not for you to know the times and the season when he's doing his things. For you, he says, you wait. Wait upon the Lord. For those who wait upon the Lord, their strength will be renewed. As I bring the worship team back, I want you to think about what we all repeated. When people, or if every believer, Lived just like you, just like me. What kind of Christians will we have out there? Well, the other question is, what are you doing for the kingdom of God? Because we do many things for the kingdom of the world. What are you doing for the sake of the kingdom of God? Is your life consistent? Just think about it. Think about it for a moment. You know, sometimes we, we refuse to think about it because we know. We know we'll find something that we need to bring to the Lord. Just think about it. Is there anything that you'd say, this one thing, is probably hindering me from being a proper witness of Jesus Christ. This one thing causes me to stumble and I do not know how to go about it. This power, when it comes, it, as I said, it's not the power to give you wealth and to make you famous. It is the power to make you a very effective witness of Jesus Christ. We witness through words and also we witness through our lives. Do you know how Joseph in the Bible witnessed? He witnessed by running from something that would have messed his testimony and his life. He ran away. Away from. Some of us, we run 
into words. <laughs> if there's something you need to run away from, run. I used to love this song some years back. Say, I'm coming running. I'm running to the mercy seat where Jesus is calling. I'm running to the mercy seat where there is forgiveness, where there is mercy. God, we thank you. We thank you for the privilege that you have given to us to listen to your word. I pray that all of us, you'll quicken us. Or also we pray that you give us the patience when you have said, wait, and we have gone ahead and did our things. Forgive us, Lord. For them who want fresh, fresh life with you, I pray that you give it to them. You're the giver of life. And I pray that as we live as believers, that our lives will be consistent with, consistent with what we read from your word with what you speak to us. That is your word. It is alive. I pray that it will be more alive in our lives. This afternoon as we give to you our finances, we pray that we'll give a glorifying percentage of our income the way you have blessed us. This is a response, our love response to you, God. We thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.